another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dale Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, AG1, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But for those of you who are watching, you could tell that Dan Wolkenstein has a different background. Is in a different state for crying out loud because he is boots on the ground, radio row for Super Bowl 58. Dan Wolkenstein has absolutely been killing it as it relates to conversations, interviews, content in general for Chargers Unleashed. If you have not been following what he and the rest of the LAFB family have been doing this week, you may want to play some catch up because a lot's been taking place. And Dan has mentioned to me, and we're going to get into all this because definitely want to get the vibe from him and as far as how the atmosphere has been down there. But Dan has basically just made it short and sweet and said, today has been absolutely insane. So Dan Walgenstein, please give us the atmosphere. Give us a, a 50,000 foot view of the environment. What has the buzz been at Radio Row? Man, I got to tell you, the buzz has been electric. No pun intended here. Covering the Chargers, obviously. A uh, lot of news happening in Chargers World, which we're going to get to, and it's been buzzing here, too, about it. But Radio Row, this has been no disappointment by any stretch. Uh, tons of content, like you mentioned. You know, all of the biggest stars, Josh Allen, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Deion Sanders, you name it, they're here. Uh, all the national networks, all of the Pat McAfee's, the Kay Adams, and it has been a ton of fun. We've had a lot of guests if you like draft content, this is the place to be. We've had Connor Rogers. We've had Trevor Sykema. Uh, we talked to Chris Sims. We've talked to Lorenzo Neal about Chargers stuff. We had Josh Palmer talking Chargers. We've got Chargers guests tomorrow. Uh, some possible epic guests tomorrow as well on Radio Row. But it's been great, man. A lot of hustle, a lot of grind. But it's been worth it, and it's been a ton of fun. Uh, hope, if you haven't seen all of it, go to our handle, go to LAC underscore Unleashed on X uh, or on YouTube. You'll see all of it. Uh, but it's been fun. Missy here, Jake. Next year, you got to promise the fans right now. Right now, promise the fans you will be at Radio Row. Do we hear it here first? Regardless of where the Super Bowl is next year? Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Oh, there we go. Good Lord. All right, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. You know, just the, again, the atmosphere and everything that's taking place is, I, I think Pat McAfee and a few others have said this, but just Vegas seems like this was a place that was born to host an event like this, to host Radio Row like this. Obviously, everything that's taking place, you know, outside of Radio Row and gearing up for the Super Bowl and just with Vegas in general, there's no shortage of things to do. So obviously everybody's in high spirits and there's entertainment all over the place. I mean, the we even have some, this morning, put it that way. We even have we even have people climbing the, the big sphere. <laughs> so I mean, hey, there's there's apparently plenty to do in, in Las Vegas. And like you said, there's no shortage of things going on there at Radio Row. Dan, I'm curious just from the standpoint of with everybody that you had mentioned as far as who's been on the show the last couple of days, Brian Baldinger, Lorenzo Neal, Joshua Palmer, Trevor Sikkim, Connor Rogers. In terms of maybe, because I, I know you, I've listened to all the shows and you know just your takes and getting their perspectives as it is from the Chargers. What do you think is the, the most common theme that maybe everybody has said in terms of their expectations? Or maybe what was one kind of out-of-the-box take that you weren't even expecting as far as an interesting answer? That's a good question, Jake. Um, the common theme has been 
how bullish every single person we've had on is about like the new style of Chargers football that fans will see under Jim Harbaugh and the mentality and the, the physical uh, imposer will type of team that this Chargers squad will become. Like every single person, Chris Sims talked about it, how Jim Harbaugh, and it's just like a family of football. That's all they care about, live and breathe. And he's unapologetically himself being bullish on fixing the running game and how much better it's going to make Justin Herbert. That's been a big theme. One thing that I thought was really interesting, and I was so glad, uh, Connor Rogers from PFF and NFL Stock Exchange, incredible, incredible guest that we had. We were talking about positional value. because That's been a hot-button topic on what the Chargers should do at number five and the possibility of Brock Bowers. And his, not necessarily out of the box, but the way he just slam-dunked on the idea of him not being worth the value at five, was impressive and he talked about you know if he's just an inline blocker and that's all he is the tight end sure i get it if he, that's what he's doing 90 percent, fine uh, by the way chef sick and i was just walking by as we say uh about his, his co-host here but how much he lines up as a offensive weapon as a wide receiver who's literally doing go routes and dunking on people's heads in the cornerback room like how much of a value he would bring to the position of offensive weapon for Justin Herbert and just him kind of squashing all of that so succinctly was impressive. And I highly recommend folks tuning into that one. Uh, Connor Rogers just absolutely crushed that. So that was kind of the, the one takeaway that I got was, you know, I think a lot of people have, you know, kind of the, the Brock Bowers or Malik neighbors, Marvin Harrison jr. as like the top three, but maybe the other theme is like, don't be surprised. We've heard it a bit, but don't be surprised if you see this team go offensive line and build the trenches because while it might not be the sexy pick, especially at five, if you see them trading back, like that sounds so much more in play. Connor talked about gaining draft capital and building the trenches. If you can do both things, it's a slam dunk. So those are probably the two things building in the trenches, establishing a running game along with the idea of like this team is just going to be different. Jim Harbaugh is going to make his presence felt. And you're seeing it with some of these transactions in the news that we've heard while I've been here. Like it's been so hard to kind of pull in both sides. So I'm going to go, I'm going to kind of kick it to you. Like outside of radio row, there's been a lot of action for chargers fans in terms of like the future of not just the coaching staff, but the front office. Uh, let's talk about that. What are some of the, what, what were like the biggest things we know Jojo wouldn't, is now taking on a different job. Some official hirings. Let's talk about those for a bit. Yeah, it was. it's funny because the last conversation that you and I had was with Daniel Popper, and we were kind of just like right on the cusp of some of those decisions. Obviously, it was it was one day early on the official Greg Roman announcement and as far as the offensive coordinator goes. It was just announced today that that is officially done, that Greg Roman comes in as the offensive coordinator. Marcus Brady is the passing game coordinator. Obviously, there's still some positions to fill. Jesse Minter comes in officially as the defensive oh. coordinator with this team. And you got a couple other additions over there on the defensive side that are making their way from Michigan, essentially making the Chargers the Michigan West, if you will. But yeah, the, the Michigan one, Trail. <laughs> one surprise, I, I, I guess you can call it a surprise, especially based off of what we were having that conversation about um, about JoJo Wooden with Daniel Popper, just in terms of what we all kind of expected. And this was just before Joe Hortiz's press conference. But the Chargers, they ended up hiring. Uh, 
uh, Jets director of personnel, uh, Chad Alexander, as their assistant GM, which immediately you said to yourself, okay, well then where does this leave Jojo Wooden? And that we just found out a couple hours ago today that Jojo Wooden is following Tom Telesco and continue, continuing that pairing that they once had with the Chargers, still unaware of what that position is going to be for him over there. But here again, Dan, there is so much Baltimore synergy being now just fused into this front office, into this coaching staff. Because if you just think about it for a second, there's a 20-year relationship between Chad Alexander and Joe Hortiz during their time that they worked at Baltimore, number one. They're very, very familiar with how each one of them works. And I'm sure that Chad Alexander has a relationship with Jim Harbaugh as well. So collectively, you take that trifecta as far as the vision that they are going to put together for this team, I don't see how anybody is going to be on a different page at all. I, I, this is full steam ahead with all, all hands on deck, all moving towards the same goal. Now, you go a little bit deeper into that. Now, obviously, Greg Roman has a lot of history with Jim Harbaugh, with the Ravens, with Joe Hortiz working underneath uh-huh. him once in a while. And with what Chad. we had, you know, <laughs> yes, Chad as well. So, I mean, again, you're, you're tying all these things together. And now that Greg Rome is officially there, I think much like what Daniel Popper had talked about just in terms of, for if you want to take one thing that you know he's going to do well in terms of making something better on offense, right off the bat, you have to start with the run game. What he has done with the run game, literally almost every single place that he has been, it has been improved. And for what the Chargers, what they need, they definitely need to get some semblance of a running game that is not here. It's interesting, though, Dan, because I thought about this, and I was thinking about Mark Andrews with the Baltimore Ravens. And this is, again, this is kind of going to transition into a little bit of the Brock Bowers conversation, because Brock Bowers' rookie season was when Greg Roman was the tight ends coach of the Baltimore Ravens. The three years that Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator in Baltimore, if you want to take away something from this, Mark Andrews had two of his best years that he has had as a pro, as a tight end in terms of putting out numbers goes. So here we are again. Now you have an offensive coordinator that has developed an all-pro tight end over there in Baltimore. Your offensive coordinator, your head coach, who once upon a time heavily recruited Brock Bowers coming out of high school, tried to get him to Michigan. That didn't end up working. (laughs) And here you go, here you go again. So it's just like in terms of just building out that type of vision, like you said, it's going to start in the trenches. It's going to start with getting that upfront blocking fixed. Overall, as Jim Harbaugh said, it's going to start with protecting and, and getting more weapons for Justin Herbert. So I know you and I haven't gotten an opportunity to talk about it that much just in terms of some of these coaching transactions over the last few days, but your perception on that. The thing that sticks out to me was, if you go back, Jake, a couple, maybe two, three weeks ago, this was probably like a month ago, honestly. We talked about like the themes of like the pillars that this Chargers team needs to bring in with the new staff, coaching, GM, whatever it is. And we talked about like the synergy and the relationship and the cohesion and the the common thread that you have to have between GM, coaching staff, development, draft personnel, scouting, you name all of that. And talked about wanting that specifically from leading organizations that have proven success track records, right? We talked about the Ravens ad nauseum. 
We talked about the Eagles. We talked about the Chiefs. We talked about organizations like that. I'm literally getting chills, which is kind of weird. But now fast forward. Not only do they bring in arguably the best head coaching hire candidate in the last three, five years. Find me a better head coaching candidate than they got in Jim Harbaugh. Pair him with someone from an organization of success like the Ravens with Joe Hortiz and his success and track record with draft development, personnel, scouting. And then you pair that relationship. Again, we're talking cohesion, collectiveness, togetherness. You pair that with a vision of Jim Harbaugh and how close John and Jim and Joe have been together. Then you connect the dots there with the collectiveness and the, the, the vision that's combined with Jesse Minter, who has ties to the Ravens. You've got the new assistant GM with ties to the Ravens, Ben Herbert with ties to Jim Harbaugh. Like this is one big family, one big circle of brain trust, all from the same cloth, literally same last names <laughs> of some. And you're seeing this collective success coming to the Chargers. That's what Chargers fans have, and the team has been so desperately lacking, is a shared vision executed together. And you heard Joe Hortiz at the press conference. You heard Jim Harbaugh talk about the press conference. Offense, defense, conditioning, management, scouting. It's just so refreshing. And to see all of the themes and the threads pulled through throughout these hirings, that has to get folks excited. Now, with that comes stuff like what's going on with JoJo Wood. He goes in with Tom Telesco to the Raiders. It's unfortunate. He's been with the Chargers for so long and he's so highly respected. And that's, you know, it goes with the territory. That's part of the business. You know, it is a business. But it's hard not to believe that this team needed just a full reset, front to back, up and down. And for them to do what they've been doing, and they have been these, like, targeted missile strikes for what they need, Chargers fans have to be feeling very, very confident. And personally, I'm just proud of the way that they've handled this. And say what you will about Greg Roman. He took a year off. Pair that with passing game coordinator, run game coordinator. Pair that with Jim Harbaugh. Pair that with Justin Herbert. Jesse Minter on the back end. Like, you got this game. This team is cooking with gas, man. And they have been full throttle. So that's the theme. The things that we've asked for that you and I personally have been so desperate for before they made all these hires, they've hit it in spades, man. They've hit it in spades. And so. Tip of the cap to Jim Harbaugh, Dean Spanos for putting all their chips in and putting everybody where the math is. Yeah, it's, you know, go back to Greg Roman for a second, because I know that that, especially among Chargers fans, it wasn't the most popular name that they wanted to see, just based off of... I get it. Yeah, which I I get it. I understand where his stats have excelled, and I understand where his stats have been weak. But as Dan just said, none of those quarterbacks that he had were Justin (laughs) Herbert. No way but close. And... There is, there is no way that I could possibly think about coming into a situation like this with Jim Harbaugh at the helm that you're going to put this in a situation where you're going to take the ball out of Justin's hands or you're going to make him a dink and dunk type of quarterback. I think what you're doing 
is you're collectively giving the offense balance. You know exactly what Greg Roman is going to excel in. I think with Justin or Herbert's talents, you can then amplify your entire offense. How many years have we been saying it now where it's, you don't need Justin Herbert to put the Superman cape on every single snap. And for essentially the last three years, that's what it's, that's what it's been. Chris Sims talked about this. Chris Sims talked about this. Sorry to interrupt. Chris Sims mentioned how, uh, which by the way, if you haven't gone and seen it, Chris Sims joined Charge and Leash and LA Football Network for the row. He talked about RoboCop. That is Justin Herbert in the pocket. And he talks about he is an animal and he considers him the best in-pocket quarterback in the NFL. Even in all of the noise, all of the pressure, he's the best in the NFL. Give him a pocket. Give him protection. Play action over the top. That's the vision that I think you're going to see. You don't need Justin Herbert to be RoboCop every single play. And that's while that's a bit of an extreme description, he's throwing 40, 50 times a game the last three years. That's not, that's not sustainable for a winning team. That's what Greg Roman's going to bring. Chargers fans have been desperate for a running game, have been desperate for protection. You pair that with Justin Herbert and Jim Harbaugh? I mean, come on now. Like, do you, Chargers fans, like, do you honestly, like, honestly, do you think that Greg Roman, or hell, Jim Harbaugh with Greg Roman, is going to be like, hey, we got top three quarterback in the league. We're never going to let him throw. <laughs> like, come on. Or as Daniel Popper said, turn, turn his EPA into 2.9 <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> his, his A dot to 2.9 yards. Like, no. Yeah. He took a year off. He talked about wanting to kind of create, develop, improve, you know, shift the way he thinks, be able to evolve as a pass, as a, as a play caller, as a coordinator. Like this, you got to let it play out. And I, I love that he's coming with a passing game coordinator. He's coming with a strategic vision and a purpose. That's what you're, that, what else can you ask for? So I'm all about it, man. A lot of people I know are a little down on it. And I understand because you got Justin Herbert, you want to sling the rock, but We've talked about the balance that's necessary that you need to have, and that honestly, that Justin has been so desperately without. Greg Roman's going to help fix that. So, if it makes them more balanced, if it protects Justin Herbert, and if it establishes a running game, hell, if it brings down Justin Herbert's stats a bit, fine by me. Circle back around to the the culture aspect, Dan, because I was just thinking about this. You know, some coaches over a long tenure period of time, they're the ones that establish that long-sustaining culture. Patriots under Bill Belichick. Hell, even John Harbaugh with what he's done with the Baltimore Ravens. Andy Reid during his time in Philadelphia and now at Kansas City. I feel like Jim Harbaugh is trying to take the fast-track approach with this. And you can take that even from what Joe Hortiz said during his introductory press conference, they're ready to hit the ground right now. And so what's the fastest way that you could develop a culture? You bring in guys that you're familiar with. So the Greg Romans, the Jesse Minters, all these other positional coaches that have ties either to Joe Ortiz or worked underneath him at the Ravens or have connections with Jim Harbaugh. This is the fastest track that you can establish your culture. Get in there with guys that you trust. I mean, we even talked about this with poppers. Like, we're seeing some of these hirings coming through, and we're and I had asked him. I said, "Do you expect this whole thing to kind of be ripped down from the bones and be built back up?" And then, sure enough, the next day, 
we find out that Derek Ansley is on his way to the Packers. I mean, literally, you I, I haven't heard anything as far as, you know, with the exception of Ryan Fitkin, who seems like the, the one, <laughs> and rightfully so, savior yep. for, as far as a position coach goes. Everything else just being torn down to the foundation and rebuilt back up. And I and like you said, I think that this is exactly what this team needed. It was a, it was a need of a culture shock. And I think with this type of coaching staff that is being constructed, I think they're going to get it. You, the culture was a big thing. And when we talked to Lorenzo Neal, the great Lorenzo Neal, and you remember like the, the years of Marty Ball, Marty Schottenheimer and LT and what that team did. They just imposed their will on teams. And I asked him about what that team was like and how he sees the need for that here with this new Chargers culture and Jim Harbaugh and what he brings. And he talked about accountability being like a huge piece and what this Chargers team has been missing. Where he talked about like his experience, where like he, if he, he went in there and Marty at one point, you know, LT had a bad performance or a bad play or whatever it was, and Marty lit into him. And the whole team was like, whoa, like that's LT that he's talking to like that. Like I gotta make sure that I'm, you know, ready to go. And he talked about then him mess, him missing a block, him being Lorenzo missing a block, and then Marty then giving plays to someone else because of that. And Lorenzo's like, whoa, 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 like this ain't happening. And it lights a fire, right? And you then snap forward to what the Chargers have looked like these past three years. And the disappointments and the, the frustrations that a lot of Chargers fans have had about maybe lack of accountability at times, of it not necessarily being the play on the field, but the name on the back of the jersey that has dictated who gets the call, who gets the ball, who gets the start. That's not the case with a guy like Jim Harbaugh. And so the, that accountability of like best man standing, if you're going to play, if you're going to succeed, great. If you're going to take off a play, like you're not playing. I think that accountability is a big part of the culture that Jim Harbaugh and staff bring. Like that, that's something that he has been very adamant about. And you heard about it at the press conference. So that accountability of like, we're doing this with or without X player. Like you're either going to do it or you're going to get the back of the line. That's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing and is that dynamic and, and how that kind of infiltrates the locker room and how welcoming that will be. I think that's a welcome sign for a lot of these players who I think need that accountability. Dan Wolkenstein live from Radio Row. Once again, boots on the ground. Still just repping out content. LAFB, Chargers Unleashed. Dan is going to be... I would assume knocking a few back this this evening after after a Oof. long day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can promise you that. I can promise you that. So well deserved. Sure. <laughs> you you mentioned the possibility of tomorrow being a big day for the show. Is there any teases, possible things that you can little nuggets that you can talk about right now? Sure, we have. Um, I believe we'll be having some. Uh, Chargers players or player at least one on the show tomorrow. Uh, we have some pretty big personalities that we are working towards getting on as well. Uh, some on national television that everyone knows. Uh, some that I think people wish could possibly have been part of the organization prior to the offseason. Um, lots of things in store. So stay tuned. I will ask you this though, Jake. Um, 
I so before all this, I was thinking about like this Chargers team, and I was wondering like how how do they go about fixing the team? Like what the strategy is? And, you know, we are today, for example, we talked to Lorenzo Neal, we talked to Trevor Sikama, we talked to all these guys, and everyone's kind of talking about the draft, right? And early on a month ago, and I still stand on this. I think Malik Neighbors is the one player, the one prospect that gets me the most excited. I don't necessarily know if he has like the biggest impact on this team, play to play, but I think he probably be, would be the one that would kind of transform how defenses play them. We talked to Connor Rogers and his stack rank of guys who he sees going to the Chargers, who he should, he believes should go to the Chargers. Marvin Harrison, one. Malik Neighbors, two. Brock Bowers, three. If they stay at five. But they talked about the trade back, which we talked about a little bit earlier. But I don't think there's a chance that it's Marvin Harrison. I just, like, I've, I've, that ship has sailed when that kick went in in Arizona. Or or didn't go in. <laughs> or didn't go in, sorry. Or didn't go or in. Didn't go go. in. <laughs> yep. Um, the Bowers versus Neighbors discussion, I think, is going to be fascinating. And it's not going to end until draft day. Uh, you and I will be there for it, at least be in each other's company for it. We've seen kind of now that Jim Harbaugh being with the Chargers, the kind of thought of it possibly being Malik Neighbors dwindle more and go more towards Brock Bowers. And I still feel that way. I just, I don't see, I don't know. I know everyone talks about Malik Neighbors. I just, I just can't imagine. I hope maybe, but I mean, they can't go wrong either way, but I hope that it just feels like it's not going to be Neighbors. Like given how everything has gone with the Chargers and staff and where the team has been talked about needing to focus on protecting the quarterback and building a running game and establish the trenches and, None of that is neighbors. Maybe the better question, Dan, is now with these hirings in place, especially about 90% of the offense taken care of, who do you think has a better shot of being selected at five now? Put the Brock Bowers question aside. Does an offensive lineman get taken at five? <laughs> it could, and I, honestly. And I know, I know that that's not what a lot of people want to hear, and obviously that answer will be a lot clearer by the time that we get around the free agency time but i to me if it was an offensive lineman it's got to be a trade down it has to be a trade down totally totally and but even even with okay so even with a trade down you know daniel popper on our show last week talked about he is almost certain that it's going to be an offensive lineman in round one or two which that i agree with again but the Distinction is offensive lineman, not tackle. This team obviously needs a center. This team, I think, sure. needs to build some improvements on the interior in general. And Currently, there while, is nobody hiking that ball to Justin Herbert. <laughs> nobody you want hiking the ball to Justin Herbert, that's for sure. True. Good point. But, but the issue is, while they could improve from Trey Pipkins, like, I think that's clear. What are they going to do with the dead? Like, he, you can't. What are you going to do? He has not, like a $9 million cap hit, regardless. So, while you could improve there, 
the guard play, center play, those are the areas that absolutely, like, they literally need one. Like, they don't have one on the roster that you trust. Tight end, you literally have Donald Parham and Stone Smart. That's your group. Wide receiver, you don't know who's going to be there. Although, little nugget, talked to Josh Palmer today, and a couple behind-the-scenes things with him. He and Keenan Allen are way closer and work together way more than I think people realize. Like They'll be going to each other's houses. They study film together all the time. They're on the field constantly. Josh Palmer talked about, while he drowns out the noise, he never imagined a world where Keenan Allen would be going anywhere. Doesn't see him going anywhere, which I tend to agree. I don't think it's, I don't think it's happening. But still, you got Mike Williams, who probably is not going to be there. I just don't see how he stays. You could use wide receiver help, but the one position that I keep going back to, if you're doing it at five, if you look at best best player available plus position of need, those that's probably like your the two things you want. That's where it keeps going back to Brock Bowers. It just keeps going back to Brock Bowers. I talked to Brock Bowers here actually yesterday, and he thinks it'd be great to work with Justin Jim. So I know it's a big like. Uh, Malik Neighbors. And I'm a huge Malik Neighbors fan. He is like my dream for this Chargers team. But that style of football just isn't what Jim Harbaugh has done in the past. Now, maybe that changes, right? Maybe they pull the wool out from under the rug and just flip a switch and they go Marvin Harrison or Roma Dunze or whoever. But at five, it just seems fiscally irresponsible given the current structures of the team to go offensive tackle. It just doesn't make sense. Fiscally. Now, trade back, like you said, gain another second round pick where you can then have that be a luxury because you have another pick in the bag. Sure. It just doesn't, to me, line up. Especially a tackle. Trade back, get your Powers Johnson, go get a guard, whatever. Get a tackle. Sure, I don't care. So... That's the, another theme, too, is everyone I've talked to, everyone I've talked to here, and I ask who do you think Chargers get at five, the only answer has been Brock Bowers. And there's a reason for that. I can't disagree with it. Everything no. lines up in that direction in terms of how those coaches, GMs, offensive coordinators build it out. That's what we've seen. Historically, at least that's what we've seen them value. And especially when you have a tight end that has the caliber of Brock Bowers in this class. Like you said, I get the whole argument as far as tight end value should never be as high as that because of what happened with Kyle Pitts. First of all, again, Kyle Pitts is not being utilized properly in Atlanta. Let's just use that as as the disclaimer. But when you have an athletic freak and a weapon like Brock Bowers, he's the outlier. I agree with the whole tight end value conversation. I'm not trying to take tear that down. I'm saying you get certain and by the guys, way, by the way, Connor, Connor Rogers, real quick, real quick, Connor Rogers talked about Brock Bowers versus Kyle Pitts specifically, and Brock Bowers clearing it. So take it for there. Three. It is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not tearing down the whole notion of how people should view the tight end position. I get it. Yes, you're not supposed to value tight ends in with a top five pick. But you always have outliers. And you have outliers like not this just a tight at end. every single position, every single year. And that's what Connor Rogers was harping on, is he's not, if you look at him as, an, as a pass catcher specifically, 
is that positional value worth it? And you cannot argue against it. And I flip it the other way. We talk about positional value. Like, is he, if he's 90% in line, okay, there's an argument to like, that's kind of a waste of money. But if he is your pass catcher, if he's your option one or two, and you're able to get that option one or two as a quote unquote tight end position, but because he's a tight end, you only have to pay him 17, 18 million a year versus 30 plus as a bona fide superstar. You could argue that positional value flips the other way where you're getting a steal. It's all about finding the player that best fits what your team needs. And I'd argue you can't find a better fit and team need than Brock Bowers. You can't find a better spot to be than with Dan Wolkenstein and the rest of the LAFB crew. Chargers Unleashed out there once again, boots on the ground at Radio Row trying to talk to everybody that they can. I'm sure that there's just a bunch of people that are coming by each booth each day that you guys are coming across. I can't imagine still what the atmosphere is like. Again, Vegas, Mandalay Bay Convention Center, it's got to be just something to, to be in awe of. But uh, Dan Wolkenstein, once again, thank you so much, obviously, for making time. I know you guys are busy out there. I know you're going to knock a few back today and well-deserved because you guys have one hell of a finish for tomorrow as far as what's on the dock. I can't wait to see it. I am literally in the dark. I have no idea what Dan and the rest of the guys have in store. So I'm going to be just as surprised as anybody with who they bring on the show. Can't wait to see it. Dan, thanks so much, buddy. Obviously, miss you, but I'm sure you're having a blast out there in Radio Row. We'll talk to you very soon. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in on Targets Unleashed. This has been so much fun. Uh, a lot of stuff to go into here. We'll probably talk next time about some of the rumors about some of the roster stuff. I know there's a lot of rumors about Cleo Mack, Joey Bosa, Williams, like all that stuff. Uh, tune into all of that soon. But until then, Jake Hafter, Dan Wilkenstein, LA Football Network, and Chargers Unleashed. You guys have been great. Uh, one more day, if you have not done so, giveaway. We have a Jim Harbaugh Navy Blue jersey. We'll be announcing it prior to kickoff of Super Bowl. Till then, we'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.